it's Lily and the two Sophies. <laughs> Got an extra chair. We do have an extra chair. Boris Johnson was meant to yeah, be yeah, here yeah, this yeah. evening. We're just going to empty. Let down. Leave the chair empty. <laughs> Hello. How are you all doing? Hello. Hi. Yeah, Great. Well, thank you. Great. Uh, so we're here to talk about the media yeah. uh, and the media's role in all of this and uh, the media's responsibility for shaping society, I guess. Uh, and, uh, and Sophie, number one, uh, we were just talking uh, off stage uh, about the fact that when you first started writing, uh, a lot of people didn't want to talk about their politics. And now, in fact, they're all uh, actively saying to you, would you mind putting this in about my politics? You yeah. know, why do you think that is? It's interesting. So I interview celebrities for The Guardian and The Observer and a lot of women's magazines like Elle and Vogue as well. And when I first started doing this job about 15 years ago, you either might get a celebrity who was willing to talk about their politics, but maybe their publicist would be like, oh, no, you know, don't put that in. And you'd have to navigate that. Or you would get a quote from them and then you'd take it to a sort of women's glossy mag like Elle and they'd be like, oh, no, just keeping the bits about her relationship and the breakdown or whatever it is. We don't want to hear that stuff about, you know, whatever politician was big at the time, Tony Blair. And that's now come on such a journey. Not only are the celebrities or artists... It's interesting because Lily feels that artists, I think maybe could get more involved in politics, but there is, that is happening already. I speak to, first I speak to people who are willing to talk about it. They are willing to say, oh my God, Donald Trump. And I think for American celebrities, who I also do quite a lot of Hollywood stars, there's quite a big risk to them in terms of slagging off Donald Trump in public because, you know, there's, there's a massive amount of people out there powering his engine and there's a lot of sort of backlash they can get from that. But they are now willing to talk to me about it. British people will talk to me about it. They'll say something about Brexit. Lots of famous women actresses will talk about feminism, which used to be a word that people weren't as comfortable with. And even if I don't ask them, the editors will say to me, oh, did you get anything about, like, causes that she supports or things she's passionate about, you know, beyond the acting? In, and In some way, that's kind of, all, like, kind of become a new yardstick by which to measure women's worth as well. And it's some like, of it's a bit phony as yeah. well. Some of it's like, oh, say that you care about the environment, you know, because that's almost like another form of PR, whereas it used to be, oh, say that, you know, and also you only wear L'Oreal makeup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I love rainforests. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And some of it's a bit like, oh, have they got a thing? You know, tick the box, have they got yeah. an issue? But I do feel just, you know, I probably wouldn't have done this job forever interviewing celebrities had it remained this kind of clean PR. Oh, I just love my work and things great. The fact they're now going, well, I did have this one director who tried to do this <laughs> terrible thing to me and I want to talk about it. Or I do think Brexit's going to do this great thing or this terrible thing and here's why. It's so much more interesting as a journalist just to be able to have real conversations. Sophie, uh, in, in your line of work, do you feel, uh, what do you write about predominantly? I, um, uh, like, Everything. I've been doing a bit more political stuff, a bit more kind of green stuff recently. Um, I guess my biggest thing that I've done this year, uh, just to kind of give people a picture of what I've done, is um, uh, I helped a young woman tell the story of Jared O'Mara, the um, MP for Sheffield Hallam, uh, previous MP for Sheffield Hallam. He's not standing anymore. Um, and I helped bring to light her story that he had allegedly sexually harassed her. And um, as far as I'm aware, he's still still under investigation for that. And that all kind of came about because of that news uh, that I helped break. So I was, I was pretty pleased to do that. But, um, yeah, I think increasingly, uh, yeah, in, in my, a lot of my journalism is uh, kind of 
fitting in where people are looking, where editors are looking for stuff and they are looking for increasingly political stuff, whether it's necessarily about parties or whether it's about the people uh, who are kind of uh, doing stuff to change the world a bit. It's all, it, it has kind of, in some respects, become a bit of a tick box exercise, but within those confines, now there is a space to discuss more issues like this. Um, yeah. And do you feel, I mean, it's it's interesting. So there's so much now. I was talking to my dad the other day and I said, did you watch the Prince Andrew thing? And he was like, well, I don't really need to watch the Prince Andrew thing because uh, it's everywhere. And, it's all, and, and so I can kind of piece it together between the five different strands that I've got coming into me through the day. Um, and I just wonder kind of, almost a lot of journalism has become almost background noise, you know, and uh, how important do you feel it is for journalism to go out and really, you know, or how much of a, how much of a role can it have now rather than just uh, being, you know, reactive, uh, how much of a role can it have, you know, taking the, the bull by the, by the horns and, and actually, you know, kind of shaping our cultural kind of landscape, do you think? Um, I think that, um, well, what you're saying about lots of different kind of threads of information, we have the the, the biggest issue that the press has got, um, if we're willing to consider the press as the little guy uh, in, in any situation, it's against the big tech companies. Um, and if you cannot get a story to... If you haven't got a way of monetizing your press... Um, uh, empire company outlet whatever if you haven't got a way of monetizing it um we like outside of facebook outside of instagram outside of twitter it's mainly facebook has become such a huge source of news then you're in a lot of trouble and i think we have like there are a lot of kind of new media outlets that aren't necessarily able to work ethically and work productively because they are just trying to chase hits because they have to compete with um the kind of success rates that you can get from perfecting however you post things on, on, on Facebook or um, whichever social media. So that's, that's quite a tricky one. And then also you're dealing with an audience who are see, seeing things from every single which way. And there'll be stories that can be debunked very, very quickly um, or stories that don't necessarily get the, um, the full details aren't necessarily there. I know a load of people who obviously, yeah, loads of people watched the Prince Andrew documentary. I think it got over a million uh, viewers and it was an incredible document, uh, sorry, interview. Uh, the documentary on the Channel 4 Dispatches one was really, really good as well. But a lot of people, there were a lot of details that people did seem to miss, even though they watched the entire thing, because I think they were just on their phone throughout texting people being like, oh my God, what is this? I strongly advise watching that with pause on and just have taking time to gasp and ask all the questions and then carry on playing one thing that makes me laugh at the moment is that quite often on facebook and i'm on all these social media things all day long as well You're as on working. tiktok do you know i've got an eight-year-old sadly i let her go on tiktok and she's never coming back that was my first mistake <laughs> and um one thing i noticed is on, on Twitter or Facebook, you'll get a post, a sort of meme that does the rounds that loads of people I know will retweet. Not so much journalists I know, but sort of friends who I went to school with up north and other people from other parts of my life who aren't journalists. So fair enough, it's not their 
specialist area as is mine. They will repost something saying, here's what the media don't want you to know about it, or here's this amazing, you know, young guy in Africa who's invented this new kind of wind-powered thing. The media don't want you to tell you about him. You'll click on the link. Firstly, it'll be like a screen grab, an article from the Times or from the BBC News homepage about this kid or about this thing the media aren't telling you. It will literally be screen grabbed from the media as if the media was this one great thing, whereas actually, like, The Guardian and, like, The Morning Star and the BBC and CNN and Fox News are all quite different things. And then, you know, it will turn out that these, these, this, news art, this news topic has been covered in like various national papers, various TV programmes, but it's being reposted by people who only get their media from something that isn't technically the media. Facebook isn't technically the media. It's, it's, it's a sort of self-publishing site. It's not meant to be generating its own content. So whenever I say to any of these people, and Everyone now hates me. Whenever I write on these threads, I always go, yeah, right, oh, we need to hear about this. I always go, has anyone on this thread bought a newspaper this week? <laughs> Nobody has ever bought a newspaper this week. I say, you know, do you pay for Netflix? Yes. But do you pay for any of this other stuff? No. How do you know this stuff isn't in the papers? You're all saying the papers don't write about this. None of you are buying the papers. And you might be clicking on a link to a Guardian article from Facebook, but you're never going to therefore, you know, once you've clicked on an interesting celebrity story, you're not going to read about something happening in Pakistan as well whilst you're browsing through Facebook. You're not going to get some really decent stuff from a war zone. And you're then telling me, you journalists, you don't cover it. We cover it. It. You're not buying it. So that's how I currently piss off everyone I used to be friends with. <laughs> and can I say one thing that annoys me is that I do some guest lecturing at journalism postgrad courses, places like City, which is a great, you know, has a great course. I mean, you can go at any age, but typically you might get a recent graduate there, so you might get people sort of age 21, 22, training as journalists. You can choose which section you do it. So you can choose the print media section, or you could specialise in radio or TV. And I will literally sit in a room full of 21-year-olds who want to work in newspapers and ask them if they buy newspapers, and they don't. And I say, how do you think your industry is going to survive if you would never dream of paying an online subscription to the Times or buying the FT. And, and do you think it is going to survive? Because at one point, the, the Guardian very definitely felt like it was a sinking ship and then yeah, seemingly... Yeah, turned I, it around know, amazingly. Yeah, it feels yeah. like it's... Yeah, Kath Finer, the editor, um, I'm sure it's lots of people's works as well as Kath, but um, she, at first, when I saw, you know, that begging letter at the end, just sort of every, every so often, if you've maybe clicked on three Guardian articles, you get the begging letter at the end saying would you think about funding us? And when I first, first saw it, I was like, it's just really embarrassing. It's like that Wikipedia thing. But I give money to that Wikipedia thing because I use it all the time. And the Guardian have made it work through the begging letter. So good on it, you know? Right, okay. And do, and, but I'm not anti-paywalls. You know when you put a link to a Times article and people go, oh, I wanted to read that, Sophie. Fucking paywall. I'm not giving my, my money. I'm like, well, it is Murdoch at the top of it, but it's actually a normal journalist who wrote that story. And, you know... There has to be some funding of it. Like, newspapers didn't used to be free. The Telegraph one's a bit harder to get past, though, Justified. isn't it? It's, yeah, it's, Brothers, a bit, yeah. it's, it's a bit tricky, isn't it? Yeah, with the, this is the yeah. real problem of the media. So telegraph sure aside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the real problem of the media, and I'm sure Lily will be very good at this, is that so many of our newspapers that I'm begging you all to buy are unfortunately owned by particular barons. You've got the Barclay Brothers who are trying to sell the Telegraph at present. Murdoch does own the Times and 80 other titles around the world. Um, the Guardian, for all its sins, and I'm not someone who constantly praises The Guardian, um, 
is a bit more neutrally owned. It's a sort of charitable, charitable trust, the Scott Trust at the top of it. Of course, there are still human beings with choices and biases and decisions in there, but it's not somebody who has a massive agenda. For example, when the Iraq war was going to happen and Blair and Bush were talking about going in, uh, uh, Murdoch owned 80 titles, print titles around there. He's shed a few since then, but he owned 80 print titles. Some of them were very big titles, such as, you know, the British Times. Some of them were sort of local papers in Australia, not so globally well-known. But on the day when there was a big deciding... I don't know if it was a vote, but there was a big parliamentary thing being cast. It was like, do or die. Is Are we going into Iraq? Um, and it was America and Britain at this point. All 80 of Rupert Murdoch's titles around the world. All of them had a front page saying yes. Well, something's up. Something's really, really up when 80 newspapers all say the same thing. So I'm a massive defender of journalism, but I also really... You do have to look at ownership. Lily. She's good on that. <laughs> You've always had an interesting relationship with the press. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um, I quite like the paywall. Today, um, Julie Birchall did a big takedown of me in the Telegraph, and I couldn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid. I got five lines in, I was like, damn. I can tell you about Julie yeah, so what was the question? Well, Sorry. I don't know, really. I mean, you know, how do you how do you feel about the media? Where do you think it's going? Is it a race to the bottom? You know, is it just are we kind of going into the age of clickbait? And you know, is what is its role moving forward? I don't know. I mean, my I, my sort of theories on it change all the time. I mean, I think like you know, as you mentioned, I I do have sort of run-ins with the media, especially the tabloid media, and um, particularly the Mail and the Sun. Um, but I kind the way I make peace with it is that, and and this is probably like half my therapist talking <laughs> up, and um and not really real. But I I feel like um especially where women are concerned is that the tabloids sort of serve, they're they're really good at making an example out of all women, and there being a sort of narrative where all women are concerned, and that sort of leads into. Uh, you know, women's vulnerability in, in, in the world. And I, and I definitely think that a lot of the time they're not really attacking me, they're just attacking a young woman who has a voice, who wants to express that opinion, and she should be put back in her box. It's not necessarily about what my opinion nothing is. nothing personal. Well, sometimes it is, but, sometimes, but more, more, I like to tell myself more often than not, it's not. But, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, you know, you. whenever I look at the male online, I always look at that sidebar of shame, and it feels like whenever it's a woman that's being talked about, no matter what situation she's in, she's flaunting or she's showing off or she's, you know, bragging about some, something, usually the way that she looks, or she's, you know, she's, she, she's she, yeah, flaunting her curves or her lithe limbs or whatever. And I feel like that's... A, it's not true. You know, the, most of these women are just walking outside. <laughs> there she is, flaunting it again. <laughs> um, and, but, but, I mean, seriously, the next time you go on the Mail Online, look for it, because you'll see that men just walk. They are just about in the world. They're with their son. They're just playing in the, in the playground. with their, They're not flaunting their curves while they're in the playground playing with their child. Do you know what I mean? It's, and it's sort of like it creates this... It creates a narrative when we're talking about what those people represent in the world in a bigger sense rather than those people as individuals. And I guess it, where it ends up is... You know, I saw Sophie covering that story about that girl... 
the Grace Malone. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in New Zealand earlier on this week. And the, the media reporting on that was just like mm. unfathomable, I think, because I, I read it before I'd read about your commentary mm. on it. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I know that mm. about this case. This guy mm. murdered this woman and put her in a suitcase and went out on another date and then got rid of her body. And the way that they presented it on the BBC website or somewhere else was that... Well, Sophie, you can say. Basically, I think with court reporting, so in, in, in this case, um, a lot of people were writing about it. It's You have to be so careful about the, the way our courts work, and actually this is a big problem that feeds back into politics at the moment. This case was in New, uh, New Zealand, but I think there have been a lot of cases in the UK at the moment which take so long to take to court, which means that there's there's an impact on reporting restrictions and... Basically, when so, when something sub sub judice or what is that the Latin for it? Yeah. Okay. I just I, Sophie's very good at languages. Um, and um, it becomes contempt of court if it's if it's an ongoing process. Exactly. So you have to be really careful about how you report things. Yeah. This one was they said the headlines were she was into rough sex, and as Lily's mm. just said, like. Firstly, he's done what to her body? He's got mm. a dead person on his hands initially quite suspicious then yeah. he's gone on a date what the hell is happening here you know they were accurate the thing is they were accurate accurately reporting his defense so his de in his his defense he, he he did make up a load of shit and he could have made up a load of shit and um rather than reporting it to say um you know she was into uh bdsm he claims they didn't have the he claims they didn't have the accused claims at the end Which so it looked important. as if and i think there's a lot of problems with media literacy but i also think it's incumbent on somewhere like the bbc to not let bias write those headlines and to think okay who's the source who is actually saying this and i think fundamentally the biggest issue with our media and our understanding of media is about the source who is saying it because mm. when you work mm. out who is saying it you work out why they're saying it and what their motivation is. But also, who is it appealing to? Is it appealing to sort of the male gaze or female readers? Because I would have... I understand as a journalist, I, I don't totally hate clickbait because <laughs> I do want the media to survive and I do want people to click on things that I write. But I would have probably clicked on the link that said, man puts body in suitcase and goes on date. Like, I would have clicked on that. That's already dark, grimly interesting enough. You don't have to put, she was into rough sex. Like, yeah. there isn't a whole other way... Of telling and you also think that the BBC, they're not guided by, by clicks. They're not guided by uh, kind of like KPIs. So I've heard of uh, a, a popular, very popular youth youth brand, which I won't say the name of, because they have now required their writers to uh, set themselves these kind of targets of how many hits they're meant to get per week. Oh, yeah. and if they don't get that number of hits per week, they cannot get um, the long-awaited price uh, kind of uh, pay rise that they yeah. deserve otherwise. And that is unfortunate, but also it's that's where readers. We are guided by readers. We are, you know, we will follow more than ever what readers want. And in the same way that lots of nasty, horrible tabloids used to say, "Well, we're only going to print what you know what the readers want." Um, and now, even more so, uh, publications can really accurately get what people want because we know what people are clicking on, and they say they want to click on the stuff about, uh, you know, really worthy issues which I can't even think of off the top of my yeah. head but, but they um, don't but they, they don't, don't, no, they, don't. they don't they want to see the celebrities which kind of brings yeah. us back nicely to the point that when celebrities for example Lily talking about refugees when celebrities talk about that stuff it kind of tips things back um and it pulls these issues 
back into the limelight, which is a wonderful thing yeah. to do. I mean, I w- would say on that, like, f- just because I, I do, I have ha- I have a relationship with both sides of the press. I, you know, I have this sort of, like, relationship with the tabloids and then I have relationships with the sort of broadsheets to a certain extent. And, it, you know, it's definitely publications like The Guardian or The Telegraph or The Times that would pick up on something like you know me working with help refugees or you know when I had my stalker and I did a thing with um uh what's that political party women's women's equality women's 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 um they'll they'll pick up on that but they uh, but the daily mail and the sun won't write about those things because it doesn't work for their narrative for me to be seen as a victim because they don't want people to think of Lily the loudmouth as being somebody who's been a victim of something horrific. They want to think of us, me, as being this loudmouth that we can make and humiliate and make a scene out of when there's an election on, for instance. (laughs) Very quickly, ladies, because uh, we're being wrapped up. Uh, How can we make the press more accountable or hold them more accountable? That is a good question. I mean, the Leveson inquiry brought up a lot of questions in that area and it led to lots of discussions about, you know, uh, tighter controls on the press. But all that Leveson really brought up was that existing laws were being broken. You know, it brought up lots of rule breaking. It didn't bring up the fact that you can tap people's phones and you can chase people down the street with, you know, aggressive paparazzi. It proved that rules were being broken. So I've been a bit wary in the past few years of the idea of tighter press controls because that can always come with quite a political agenda behind it which might serve somebody's purpose and not another's and actually the libel laws in this country are some of the strictest in the world it can be quite hard for investigative journalism in this country to bring people down because it's very green yeah like sorry to interrupt yeah but no, carry on. No, no, I'm just saying Philip Green, the only way he was named <coughs> was because Lord Hayne. Sorry, yeah. sorry, yeah. sorry. So knee jerk reaction sorry. happens sorry, every yeah. time. I said yeah. Sir Philip <laughs> Green. <laughs> sorry, Sir, yeah. Sir Philip Green. Yeah. Uh, Sir Philip Green. <laughs> uh, no, it was only because Lord Hayne actually named him using parliamentary In privilege, Parliament. which really is the most privileged form of platform you can possibly get. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, so if lots of investigative journalists would have liked to do lots of stuff on Philip Green sooner, but. He has, you know, the most expensive lawyers and he can shut things down quite easily. And because his name was mentioned in Parliament as being accused in various things, um, then the press were allowed to report his name because they were reporting on Parliament rather than reporting on their own sort of lead. Um, I'm all for more freedom of the press, actually, which might slightly go against what Lily's... It sounds like it goes against what Lily's saying. Obviously, I'm not for, you know, young female celebrities being... Totally abused. No, it's not. Can I just say, it's not. It's not not really about about me. It's not really about celebrities. What I'm sort of saying is that you know, when somebody comes forward and they report an an assault or something, and they end up at a police station, this this narrative like filters down into everyday Mm. life, and it's Mm. easier for a policeman or somebody taking down that statement to put this woman as somebody. Who likes to? Who shows off? Who shouldn't have been wearing that short skirt? If the way that women are presented the whole time is flaunting or showing yeah. off, or you know, p- yeah. p- being the next thing you know, she's in a suitcase, in and it's because she likes rough sex. Yeah, and that's and that's my that point. Is, really, it's nothing to do with me and celebrities. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying no, no. feel sorry for no, us. No, I know you're not, and you don't. <laughs> no, but it, it no. trickles down, doesn't it? Um, I just yeah. think those are two issues. One is like, you know, how are we going to? legally uh, counteract misogyny and that you know that's a whole sort of historic entrenched attitude that I think is wrongly believed to sell papers I think more women it wouldn't totally solve the problem I mean there are women vaguely high up at the mail not totally at the top of it but um I do think more women in positions of power always helps these things not always but um 80% of the time there you go that'll do um, <laughs> I think um I think we need to um 
have better better good guys and kind of worse bad guys i think <laughs> i think having yeah. lily allen as being like the bad guy in right. uh on, on on the like on the mail online it's like the, the, they've got better bad guys to chase and they should be chasing the, there are people they should be chasing who are kind of in a position where they will be punched up against rather than punching down and i think to get those bad guys you need better uh kind of not necessarily better journalists, because some of the, the most effective journalists are quite horrible people, but I think people who can really... Who, can, well, who know if which way to go, true. who know which way to punch up and punch down. I mean, there's... You know, I was, I was looking into a... Um, uh, there's a Brexit Party candidate who has said she um, supports all freedom of movement, um, which kind of, I don't think, really agrees with <laughs> wow. the Brexit Party. And I was like, let's out her, let's do something. And my colleagues at a paper were just like this doesn't really seem worth it it's just punching down and i think it's really good to have those people putting that that block in place and going is it really worth you know writing 500 words on you know whether you mean is she just some clueless the... person who's not really it's just an idiot party. in a brexit well, party that, who knew just well, like, anyone no. was, was able to worth, sign up it, you know, was, sorry not to, yeah i yeah, yeah i just i just think we need to a lot needs to happen in order to get better more kind of uh, diverse and representative journalists into journalism and I think that um, there's uh, there's a wonderful scheme called Diversify the Media. And I think that um, we need to think a lot more ambitiously about who the bad guys are and how they can be taken down and actually go, you know what, if you've got um, and if anyone here has got a great story, please do email because there are I'm looking now I'm, I'm, I'm looking at some like I'm constantly, I'm pitching at the moment. I'm looking for great tips. And I think there are some really bad people that can be brought down and they will make a bigger story than, you know, whatever. Lily's up to sorry Sophie Sophie <laughs> Lily thank you very much I'm afraid you, that's George. it give him a big yeah. round of applause thank you thanks so much